0: One of the amazing aspects of nature, if you ever get an opportunity to come across it, is an artesian well. does not utilize a pump. The water coming up from down inside the earth comes up with such force that no pump is needed. It just comes roaring up and explodes out into the atmosphere. It's an amazing aspect of nature. J.I. Gordon tells the story of being out walking across a field to a house one day. And he noticed as he got closer to this house that there was a man standing beside the house with his hand on a pump, furiously going up and down on that pump. And the water was just pouring out. But this guy just kept pumping and pumping and pumping and it was like it was no end to the man's energy. And he stood there amazed and intrigued at this how this guy could just keep pumping this water furiously out. As he got closer, he discovered that it wasn't a man at all, it was actually a wooden figure cut out and painted like a man. It had a hinge at the elbow and the hand was attached to the pump. but the pump, was actually an artesian well. And the figure was not pumping the well. The well was pumping the figure. (laughs) Now, I tell that story for this reason. When we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, God is pumping us. If we are not empowered by the Holy Spirit, then we will try to serve Him doing all the pumping, and we wear out and burn out when we are trying to do all the pumping, but when we are empowered of the Spirit, we can keep on, and wherever God has placed us in life, and do it with energy and enthusiasm and joy, because the Holy Spirit of God is empowering us and pumping us, not the other way around. If you have your Bibles, if you will turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 4. The book of Acts chapter 4. We are in a series of the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit as it is seen in the book of Acts. And we're continuing in this story where Peter and John have gone up to the temple in Jerusalem at the time of prayer, which is about noon. And as they walk up there, they get to the gate of the temple and there is a man who's been lame all of his life, never walked a day in his life, And he is laying there at that gate and begging people for money like he did every year. And so, excuse me, every day. So when he sees Peter and John, he looks at them and he says, Guys, can you all give me some money? And Peter looks at him and he says, Listen, we don't have any silver or gold coins that we can give you. But what we do have is the Lord Jesus Christ. And in his name, by his authority, get up right now and walk. And that man began to feel in his legs a sensation he had never felt before. Strength, vitality, and power. He stands up for the first time in his life. Can you imagine the scene as he gingerly, carefully takes a step, then takes another step, and then he takes a step and a step and a step. And the excitement of the smile on his face. But walking is not sufficient enough when you've been healed by Jesus. So he begins to leap and to jump up and down. Well, they proceeded to the temple. And of course, this spreads all over the temple area and all over Jerusalem. And people begin to flock to the temple to see this man who's been healed. And they're fascinated by it. But the religious leaders are not fascinated by it. In fact, they're rather provoked by it. And so they arrest Peter and John and take them into what was called the hall of huge stone. And in that hall of huge stone they appear before the 70 members of the Jewish high council known as the Sanhedrin, along with Caiaphas and all of the religious leadership, and they question Peter and John, "What's happened here?" And Peter says, "This man was healed by the authority of Jesus." And then the religious leaders look at them and they say, Peter and John, we can't deny that this man was healed. But what we are going to tell you is, you go out of here and don't you talk about Jesus anymore. Don't you even mention his name. And Peter looks at the Sanhedrin, the great high priest, and he says, listen, I can only tell people what I have seen Jesus do. I can only tell people what I have seen Jesus do, and then they leave the Sanhedrin, and they go back to what we call the early church, those first Christians, and that's where we're going to pick up the story. Now, as we're moving through the book of Acts, we saw this several weeks ago, when we trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we experience what's known as the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is when you trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, God places the Holy Spirit inside of us. And we are baptized, we are placed in the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is placed in us. There is one baptism in the Holy Spirit, but there are many infillings of the Spirit. And so as Acts begins to unfold, you will see repeatedly where they are being filled with the Spirit. Now, someone has said, why do we have to be repeatedly filled with the Spirit? Well, we leak. That's the reason we have to be repeatedly filled with the Spirit. But let me give you this illustration. If you take a pan of water, let's say, place it on a stove, and begin to heat that water up to where steam is coming off of it and it's bubbling, And then you go and you pour cold water into it. What happens? The temperature of the water gets lowered. And if you don't continuously apply the heat, then the temperature is going to be lowered, the steam will dissipate, bubbles will go down, stops boiling, etc. If you leave that pan of water on there and turn off the heat and let it just stay there, what happens? It eventually assumes room temperature. If you don't keep the heat applied, it's not going to boil. And the idea of the filling of the Spirit is that if you and I are not moving in the filling of the Spirit, if we are not repeatedly being filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not that we don't have the Spirit, but at the boiling point in our lives of the Spirit's work and activity begins to dissipate and to go down. And so these disciples are going to come back because they've had an experience where they've had cold water thrown on them. Don't you talk about Jesus anymore they've had cold water thrown on them, and that they had been persecuted for the faith. And they come back and they say, we got to pray that we start bowling again. we got to pray for an infilling of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 4, beginning with verse 24. And when they heard it, that is the church, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, And your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, The place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. How do we walk in the empowerment of the Spirit? First of all, we need to learn to rest in His sovereignty. Notice in verse 23, it says that they lifted their voices together. Peter and John come back and they give a report of what's happened. And they said, we've been told we're not supposed to speak in the name of Jesus anymore. So what are we going to do? And the church got together and together in unity, they prayed and asked for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon them. God wants to pour out His Spirit, but He wants to pour out His Spirit upon the whole body of Christ. And when you and I together as the body of Christ say, God, will you pour out your spirit? He hears that. He listens and He will respond. Now notice how they address God, verse 24. They say, sovereign Lord. The word sovereign there is a Greek word that means a ruler of unchallenged power. It was also used in that day of slave owners over their servants or slaves. And what they're saying here is essentially this. Lord, you are just that. You are our Lord. We are your servants. You have unchallenged power. You rule. We recognize that. Notice how they tie God's rule to Him as Creator. He goes on and he lists in verse 24 all the ways that God has created. You made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. He's saying you made it. Then he says you spoke, Lord. And then you decided or you predestined, Lord, what was going to happen. What they're basically saying here is we recognize right now that, Lord, the one we're calling upon for empowerment is the Lord who, first of all, He's our sovereign. He rules us. Secondly, the one we're calling upon is the one who created everything that we see. So even these folks who are opposed to us were created by you. Everything around us was created by you. In other words, our focus, Lord, is on your majesty, your power, and your greatness. We're looking beyond the Sanhedrin. We're looking to the Lord God Almighty who is in control of all things. He is the sovereign one. Folks, if we want to know the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we got to stop focusing on our problems. we got to stop focusing on problem people. we got to stop listening to all of that, and we got to start listening to Him and focusing on Him. Verses 25 and 26, He says, Listen, nothing has happened that hasn't happened, Lord, because You allowed it to happen. They thought they took Jesus and were in control and crucified Him. But You predestined all of that to happen. It happened because you desired for it to happen, Lord. Even when it looked like everything was all out of control, in reality, Lord, you were in control. You see, one of the greatest deceptions that Satan wants to pull over on us is that God is not in control. And if we live in terms of the first 24 hours of every day or the next 24 seconds, we're going to think that somebody else or something else is in control. He says, Lord, you're in control. And the one who's in control is the one that we're looking to, Lord, to empower us with the Holy Spirit. So rest in his sovereignty. Next, relish his greatness. Look at what they say in verse 29. Lord, look upon us and grant the outpouring of your Spirit. They're basically saying, Lord, do it and do it now. Lord, see their threats. God, we're in a jam our back is up against the wall. If you serve Jesus and you do what He tells you to do, sooner or later, you're going to have some stuff threatened at you. Sooner or later, somebody's coming at you or some group of people are coming at you and threatening to pull the rug out from underneath of you. And the temptation when that happens is to pull back. That's not what they did. They said, Lord, you hear the threats... Lord, we need you to show up, and we need you to show up now to do what? Verse 29, to continue to speak your word. Notice what they request. They do not request deliverance from the problem. They pray for boldness to continue to serve the Lord and speak for Jesus. See, so many times when we ask for God to work, what we ask for is, God, get me out of the problem. Lord, alleviate the pain that I'm in. God, I I need to escape from the suffering. Lord, would you take off the pressure? And the reason so often we're not in the ministry and in the power and in the flow of the Holy Spirit is we're constantly asking, God, get me out of this. Pull out the pressure Get me out of the suffering, Lord. And God is saying, listen, I'm not going to deliver you from the problem. I'm not going to take out the suffering. But what I do want to do is empower you in the midst of the suffering. And if you'll hang with it and stay with me and stay open, let me empower you in what you are in the middle of right now. They weren't trying to run out of Jerusalem. They said, "We want power to go straight back to where we were and continue to talk about Jesus, because the issue is not our comfort and it is not our escape. It is that Jesus be honored and glorified." Notice how they identify themselves in verse 29. "Lord, we are your servants." The Greek word there is a Greek word that means "bond servant or slave." Lord? I'm your servant asking for boldness. Folks, we're never going to know the empowerment of the Holy Spirit until we say to Him, God, I am your servant. I belong to you. And I am totally at your disposal to be used of you anywhere, anytime, any way that you choose to use me. you see the difference in that kind of prayer? than when we pray this prayer of, Lord, show up. And make it easy. Lord, I want to tell you what I want you to do in this situation. Lord, this is what I like. This is what I want. Lord, make the circumstances like I want them to be. If we want to know empowerment, we will only know His empowerment as a servant of His. With my identity foremost is that I am His servant. But let me tell you something, when you realize deep in your heart that you're His servant and you yield yourself as His servant, those folks left that prayer meeting and they knew they did not belong to the Sanhedrin, they belonged to Jesus. And they weren't intimidated by the Sanhedrin because they knew they belonged to Jesus. And folks, when you and I know we belong to Jesus, we won't be intimidated by anything because we don't belong to it anymore. We belong to Him. Now Peter had struggled with this issue of boldness. He got his boldness unbridled when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. High priest's servant walks up. Peter pulls out his sword and lops off his ear. So he was bold. It was just misplaced boldness. But later that night... He's warming his hands by the fire and this servant girl walks up and looks at him and Jesus is under trial and Peter got a pretty good idea of where this trial is headed. Headed to a Roman cross and the girl looks at Peter and says, Peter, aren't you a follower of Jesus? And he says, no, I'm not a follower of him. You you got that Galilean accent. I, I like to think that he had one of them southern Palestine draws. But he says, you got that Galilean accent. Well, Peter knew he was getting in hot water then. He says, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm going to use some curse words to prove to you that I'm not a follower of Jesus. Peter didn't want to make that mistake again. He said, God, would you empower me with your boldness so this time I don't deny you. This time I don't walk away from you. This time I stand up for you. Lord, would you empower me? Now, notice verse 30. Lord, empower us so we can speak your word with boldness while you stretch out your hand. And the idea of hand is the authority of God. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Now I want to read verse 30 again. While you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Now I want us to catch what Peter is saying there. Lord, I'm asking you for boldness to preach Your Word, to speak Your Word, to share Your Word, to go right back to the temple, right back, if I have to, to the Sanhedrin, and to talk about You. But God, as I go, and God, as I speak, I'm asking You to heal. And I'm asking You to manifest Your presence with signs and wonders. So that it is not just speaking, it is speaking accompanied by signs and wonders. So when people hear the message, they see the power of God in display accompanying the message. I want to submit to you that I think one of the things that we struggle with today in the modern church is that we've got a lot of preaching going on and a lot of teaching going on and there's no lack for the speaking that goes on in our churches, but we don't have too, much, too many signs and wonders going on. Somehow or another, down through the centuries, we managed to separate signs and wonders from the preaching and teaching of God's Word. So you preach and teach all you want, but we don't really look for God to perform signs and wonders. We don't expect God to perform signs and wonders. And let me tell you what's created. It has created this crazy mentality we've gotten into that we come to church and we listen to services and we say amen and we get up and we go out the door and we don't expect God to do one thing. We don't really even expect Him to do much in the service. We just go through the form. But how many times we come to church and we really expect the power of God to show up in the building and change somebody? When was the last time we expected to walk out of this building and walk into a community and watch the power of God show up? Now let me share something with you. This week I studied this passage. I studied the Greek language of which it was originally written. There is nothing in here that says that the signs and wonders stopped at the first century. We're the ones who decided it stopped. God's not the ones who decided that it stopped. So what I'm encouraging you to do is to say, Lord, would you pour out your Spirit? Would you give us boldness? But God, we're not going to stop there. We want to see some manifestations of your power and your glory that we step back and people step back and say, that could not have happened apart from the power of God. That could not have happened apart from the presence of God. The forces of darkness were defeated and that could not have happened if God had not shown up. When I was pastored in Virginia Beach, I had a lady in my church who invited us to come and conduct a vacation Bible school in her neighborhood. And I really didn't know anything about her neighborhood. It was about a mile to two miles from our church building. But we took her up on it and we went down there to do a backyard Bible club and we... It was a little townhouse area, all these little old townhouses, and we pulled up into the commu- area, and we literally did the Bible school out of the trunks of the cars. We put the Bible school stuff in it, and we pulled, popped the trunks up, and we had crafts done out of one trunk, and Bible story coming out of another trunk, and music blaring out of another trunk, etc. And it was tight going in there. The second night we were in the community... Doing that at Bible school and we got the music going, you know, singing about Jesus and the kids coming in and all that. Lady this church member of walks up and she says, Pastor, I don't know what y'all are doing. But this is the first night I can remember that the drug dealers aren't out. That's a sign and wonder. You see, when Jesus invades a neighborhood. The devil's got to pack up his stuff and get out. And you see, when Jesus moves into a neighborhood, you don't just talk about him, you confront the powers of darkness that are in the neighborhood. You start seeing God change lives. When I went to be the pastor at South Norfolk Baptist, we had a ministry that was called the parking lot ministry. And the way that ministry worked is on Friday and Saturday nights, every other weekend. We'd set up grills out on the parking lot and we had a lot of foot traffic in the neighborhood that came across the parking lot and we would offer folks free hamburgers or hot dogs, etc. But we were also out there to pray with people and minister to people, etc. And the police department came to the leader of that ministry and said, the nights, the weekends that you all are out here, we get no calls. The crime rate literally goes non-existent. The nights that you are out here. And we coined the phrase community transformation. And the idea of community transformation is that the church in the power of the Holy Spirit walks out of the building into the community in the name of Jesus and expects God to show up and to begin to change a community. He begins to transform a community. You see, folks, if the powers of darkness can walk into neighborhoods and bring down a community, why cannot the power of God walk into the same neighborhood and begin to change the community? Notice verse 31. It says, when, and notice the pronoun, they had prayed, the place where they were was shaken. Satan works overtime to keep a church from praying. A prayerless church is a powerless church. And a praying church will know the power of God. Verse 31, it says, While they were praying, the place was shaken. When God moves, He's going to shake things up. Mark it down. But notice what happens. The people... Church prayed. They begged. They asked God to move among them. And it says the place was shaken by the Holy Spirit because the people together asked God for that. You see, God. Does God want to bless you individually and place the Holy Spirit in you individually? Of course He does. But I think the message of the book of Acts is if we really want to move in the power of the Holy Spirit, the body of Christ needs to come together and seek Him. We together need to ask Him, Will you pour out your spirit? And the devil works over time to do two things in churches. Stop us from praying and get us bickering with each other. Because when we stop praying, we're not asking for his power. And when we fight with each other, we're focusing on that instead of on him. And Satan can use any of us in that way. They got down together and the place was shaken because together... They were seeking Him. And I was reading this last night, and I thought, why don't we just take Him up on this? I'm not satisfied just to preach this this morning and say, nice service and go home. Why don't we take Him up on this? So just a moment, I'm going to ask Josh as he comes and leads us in singing. But as many of you as you will, I'm going to ask you, if you can, to join me at the front here. And together, we're going to ask God to pour out His Spirit in Rocky Mount Baptist Church. To shake us to His glory any way He wants to. And then at His timing, to take us out the doors of this church, into whatever community He directs us into, to share Jesus in boldness with His glory. But folks, I'm not willing to read this and look at this and say, oh, that was nice 2,000 years ago. I want it. I'm hungry for it. I'm thirsty for it. And I'm just not going to be satisfied with anything less than an outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God among us. So Josh, come and lead us. And if you want to come, come join me. We're just going to get on our faces before God right now and ask Him to pour out His Spirit in our church and among us.